Welcome to Naturepact podcast of Single Earth. In this podcast series, we are talking with investors about their vision of the new green world. My name is Tarmo Virki, and in this episode, I'm talking with Juho Risku from Butterfly Ventures. Enjoy the show. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying the Naturepact podcast. I'm Merit. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Single Earth, and we're a team of more than 70 people building a nature-backed economy. And if that sounds crazy enough for you, then join us. Sign up at single.earth to be among the first to get access to our nature-backed tokens. And let's talk more on our EarthSavers Discord channel. Enjoy the show. Hello, Juho. Welcome to the Nature-Backed show. Thanks. Uh, glad to be uh, as a guest. Uh, tell us a few words about Butterfly Ventures. What do you guys do and, you know, where in the whole thing is the butterfly hidden? So uh, Butterfly Ventures is a one of the leading seed entry uh, VC funds uh, focused on the deep tech in the Nordics and Baltics. We invest in the early stage, typically early seed. Seed uh, is the stage where we do the kind of the first ticket. And typically, we invest in the uh, technology-heavy, uh, science-backed uh, startup companies. We've been investing uh, since 2012 when we got founded, and uh, uh, our this team, uh, the four partners, have experience investing over 80 80 portfolio companies a year, uh, not year, but uh, overall. And uh, uh, in coming coming years, we just closed uh, in the summer uh, of fund four. And uh, in the coming uh, years, uh, we are planning to do 10 investments a year for the next uh, next four years uh, uh, from the from the latest fund generation. And uh, pretty much the same focus, deep tech hardware, uh, also software deep tech, obviously. Uh, uh, but we don't shy off from the hardware cases as well. And uh, uh, across the Nordics, uh, always placing the first to get that seed or early seed. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, that's what we've been doing last 10 years. <laughs> uh, and you're still around, so you must be doing something right, right? The, uh... Uh, I, I certainly hope so. And uh, at least I think our portfolio founders, uh, at least the stories that they, and the fact that I, we get quite a bit of deal flow through our portfolio founders mm. uh, suggest that, that, uh, that, uh, uh, at least we haven't done everything entirely wrong. <laughs> mm. The um, early stage deep tech investing, it must be horribly difficult. How do you evaluate the teams? I mean, um, they are, you know, typically probably pre-product or or some really early fragments of the product and uh, maybe part of the team is there, but probably not always the whole team. And it mu- I mean, I, I'm looking from outside, it seems really challenging. Uh, there are, of course, challenges, and there are, of course, peculiarities that you have to kind of take into account. Uh, and uh, there are certain things that kind of uh, help us in the, that process. I've been an entrepreneur myself uh, uh, since '96, so basically throughout my uh, professional career, I've been a startup entrepreneur, butterfly support uh, startup. I have <laughs> been involved as a, uh, as a founder. Uh, uh, and of course, you know, kind of uh, understanding how things look like from the entrepreneur's point of view uh, helps a lot. Uh, of course, the fact that the, the team in general has a kind of a wide variety of different backgrounds. Tanya, originally from the uh, US, having a little bit of a uh, invest ba- investment banker type of a background, 
Bigle coming from the sort of a more legal uh, tech management uh, uh, side of things, uh, and Matti uh, having a kind of a uh, this uh, sort of a more serious management uh, background, like he was a CEO of a listed software company as well as built a a, a, a sales network for a you know uh, I don't know maybe thirty forty some countries. And, uh, and and has been kind of a managing an actual factory even, so uh, so uh, of course the diversity of the team helps as well. Uh, but kind of a big thing that makes us somewhat different from most other funds is that uh, that uh, we started from investing a very early, and we started uh, in a way that we had to build processes that actually work, and uh, the kind of a systemic approach. And having a process uh, in place that's built for investing early stage uh, companies and, 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 and has kind of a systemic thinking behind uh, that what kind of a mechanics the process has to have in order to sort of uh, yield mm. uh, good investments. Uh, uh, also make big difference. Uh, on the other hand, from the quality point of view, and I mean quality of the uh, coaching as well as the kind of uh, investment decision making, but also kind of the efficiency point of view. And, you know, what are the kind of a transaction costs uh, on, on this early stage? I mean, typical entry ticket can be as, as small as 100,000. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you can spend uh, 50,000 transaction costs. Or at least it doesn't make sense from the uh, from the startup point of view. So, so we've kind of uh, uh, built these mechanics that that uh, that make us quite efficient and quite to the point. And uh, and uh, we always try to kind of uh, make, take take good care of that 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 uh, we are not a obstacle mm-hmm. uh, for us for for the entrepreneurs either. And you know, like kind of a, and that's also coming coming from the sort of the entrepreneurial uh, background that mm. that uh, I actually did my uh, the thesis, master's thesis from the venture capitalist uh, founder entrepreneur relationships and what makes it effective from the from the also kind of a, uh, uh, economic performance point of view. And and the quality of relationship uh, was one of the kind of a key uh, denominators. Uh, trust uh, being one of the key 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 points. So that's one of the things that that also we try to kind of. Up. I mean, there are these process team diversity uh, type of things, backgrounds, as well as this kind of uh, uh, more uh, let's say uh, investment or collaboration philosophy type of things that that uh, I think are part of the <laughs> mix yeah yeah uh founded 10 years ago in Oulu of all places uh i'm sure i think 85 to 90 percent of our listeners are in the united states and Oulu doesn't say much to them uh, you know we can reveal it's close to the polar circle santa claus lives nearby uh but what's the phenomenon of phenomenon of Oulu all about Lots of gifts from the Santa Claus. No, 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 no not really. No, not really. Um, yeah. So, Butterfly was founded uh, originally uh, in 2012, and uh, at the time, uh, Nokia was going through a huge transition of a kind of a downsizing and so forth. And it's interesting. All has always been a kind of a big science center, hard science. There's a big university, big government uh, research facility. 
uh, and it has always been kind of a, this kind of a tech center in Finland. And uh, I mean, even among the Nordics, particularly when it comes to wireless communications, it has had a kind of a like, role. Uh, and uh, Nokia had huge uh, development sites, several, actually several development sites in, in, in all. And this downsizing meant that suddenly there was a lots of lots of talent available, not just in the, from Nokia, but also kind of uh, uh, industries close to Nokia. And if you look at the kind of uh, how startups got founded, there was a period before Nokia became big that there were startups popping up in, in, in the region. And then Void, Nokia sucked in all the talent. And after that, again, uh, lots of startups popping up. Uh, the city of Oulu, uh, which was the uh, LP uh, in our first one, kind of saw the problem that, okay, now we have to do something and take a good catch of this talent. Uh, and uh, uh, we, we were actually originally as a butterfly building an accelerator at that time. Uh, but we ended up winning the bid. Uh, for run the fund uh, 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 over there, and that's how we got started, and uh, uh, and uh, that's how kind of the first uh, our first fund, the Northern Startup Funds, uh, got, got got started, and how I kind of ended up. Uh, it's a kind of a lucky strike, end of my, kind of kind of a <laughs> story of my life. Mm. Uh, for for many of in that respect, yeah. From from many of us. The uh, but the, the Oulu the Nokia technology investments. Is there any any kind of uh, big uh, startups or the successful startup examples out of Oulu? Is Oura Oura is more recent yeah. one. Oura is originally from uh, from Oulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are several others uh, uh, like uh, Polar originally was a Oulu based startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if people anymore recognize JOT Automation uh, that was originally in, mm. in, in, in Oulu. And if I'm not, now I might be kind of a mistaken or uh, even remembering something wrong, but uh, if people remember IRC, this uh, internet chat protocol, mm-hmm. So uh, all had his its role on on on, on, on that one as well. Mm. I, I mean, there are certainly some. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I, think, I think from the recent one, the smart ring maker Aura is probably the one of the best. Most example. well known, yeah. yeah. Most well known, yeah, uh, of the recent ones, yes. Mm, definitely. Uh, but the new uh, fund number four uh, this summer launched. What's the what's the philosophy of the fund number four, and uh, how much money there is to give, and to what kind of companies? Yeah, so uh, we were despite the not so easy fundraising environment. I mean, we started the fundraising like two weeks off, seriously, kind of a contacting LPs two weeks after the and uh, 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 two weeks after COVID hit, hit in. And uh, when, you know, the puzzle pieces started to be in place, uh, uh, then this uh, Ukrainian war started. But still, we managed to put together quite good uh, first closing of 47 million. Original start target was uh, 35 million. And, uh, and uh, now we got the kind of a uh, 47 million. So that's where we stand at the moment. Uh, the overall target, the target size of the fund is 100. And it's kept at 120 million. So we, we, we don't want to take more than 120, even uh, if that would happen. Mm. And uh, uh, the kind of a, uh, 
we are pretty much continuing what we are we have been doing so far so we like the kind of these intersections of uh, uh, hardware software and science so those kind of a surfaces where these three meet uh, are the kind of a uh, most interesting for us. I mean, it can be an entirely purely uh, software case. Uh, I'm not saying that, but then there's usually a science component uh, or, you know, some kind of a direct relation or, 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 or you know, something that it enables on the hardware side. And uh, vice versa, you know, uh, it can be a pure hardware case, but then there would be probably a, a kind of a heavy science component. And one of the reasons why, you know, if we look at the kind of value drivers that are driving the value generation at this very, very point, the kind of a big mega trends, there are kind of a three, three major ones uh, that we feel that are, are kind of more significant than the others. One of these is, is, is addressing the, the, the climate crisis. That definitely you know, there's trillions of value to be made. Uh, another one relates to kind of a demographic change and the, and, and the uh, particularly the aging populations that's been driving the health that generate. And the third big one, it's somewhat related to this climate crisis by, uh, related things, but it's the rapid urbanization that still continues quite, quite a bit. And those are the kind of uh, megatrend challenges that we try to address uh, with our investment work. However, these challenges are such that, um, you know, you can't really... Uh, address a challenge uh, without having a kind of a, uh, some science component or, you know, some hardware component. Uh, I, I mean, another, yet another CRM uh, mm-hmm. doesn't do the trick. I mean, definitely there's a big software component. I mean, most of our cases have a big software component. Actually, it might be the kind of a value driver or, you know, the, how do we make it make, make a value? And quite often, hardware cases have a lot to learn from the kind of software business models. That's not to say that the software wouldn't be a big, big component. But, you know, many of these challenges are just such that, you know, you need a direct something to sort of directly attached to this world, mm. not just the software. And I mean, there are, there are lots of lots of other megatrends. I mean, this more serious stuff has, has become a bit easier. Uh, the work these days is not that you have to go to, to and fabricate a new type of a chip from the ground up and invest 100 million or a billion to uh, the chip <laughs> facility, uh, except perhaps uh, quantum computing. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so overall, uh, this kind of serious stuff have, has, has become a bit more easier, a bit more software-like to develop. I, I'm not saying that uh, development costs wouldn't be still kind of a bit more expen- expensive than software, but the kind of a cost of getting to MVP has, has significantly gone lower. And the another, another big, big thing is that at the same time, kind of this uh, pure game source uh, is perhaps not so easy at, as it used to be. The competition is much harsher. There's a typically this at the scale up phase. The uh, the customer acquisition cost is the major major hurdle uh, uh, in, in 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 scaling up. So the kind of this uh, balance of capital efficiency uh, is not anymore so obvious. So we actually did an analysis of uh, maybe 500 unicorn startups, and the interesting thing that the kind of return multiple curves are uh, quite similar. Uh, between deep tech hardware and software, or with, with, with all, only one uh, interesting exception, which is that excess of, ten, excess of ten, uh, 20 multiples are a lot more likely, uh, actually much more likely in deep, deep, deep tech and, uh, and, and hardware, which was quite surprising. Uh, I mean, of course, there are 
big differences in, in sample size and so forth. So, you know, it's not necessarily to claim that deep tech hardware is more capital efficient. It's just that the point being that... Uh, Bigger uh, hits there. Yeah, and I mean, the point being that, that uh, it matters more which company and what kind of company than whether it's uh, software, uh, deep tech or hardware. Mm. Uh, so so that, that, that's maybe the kind of a main point. Mm. But yeah, it's uh, kind of, you're, you're not kind of shy of hardware uh, as a fund. For sure, we are not. <laughs> Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Uh, but any 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 kind of good explanations why the uh, why you found uh, kind of more more unicorns among the and the bigger multiples in the deep tech side? Uh, I mean, uh, I can't think of anything else actually except the the customer acquisition cost. Okay, interesting. Uh, and the and the and the competition uh, mm. really the, the kind of the biggest difference has to be somehow related to the, to the scale up base because that's typically uh, both in software and hardware where the kind of most money uh, goes in. Mm. Uh, I, I, and behind that, and uh, I think there might be things like uh, better lock-in, like, you know, you don't have to compete as hard if, you know, there is a little bit of barrier of entry either through the kind of having a, a solid tech patents and such that, you know, prevents others from coming in at mm. similar cost structure or whatever, or, you know, uh, and gives a little bit of protection, or, you know, uh, that there is a cost involved. You already have invested into the, the piece of hardware that you have kind of uh, gotten stuck with. And uh, it's, of course, a lot harder to sort of uh, change that and the piece of software together than just piece of software mm. only. Could it be that from from the uh, from the inter- looking at it from the kind of entrepreneur side, one would think that the uh, in the deep tech early stage investment th- phase, there is uh, not as much uh, you know VCs out there. Who- oh, sorry. Yeah, that's that's actually <laughs> yeah, that's actually in the in the early stage. That's actually in the, behind the multiples. That's actually a very important factor. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I thought lowly about the scale-up phase, but that's been one of the our ma- actual major sales arguments that there's like two to three times at least less competition in, in, in our segment, which obviously means that intervaluations are a little bit better in check. Mm. And uh, uh, yeah, and, and, and also that, that, that you know, uh, uh, you end up investing in the better cases because... Mm. You know, uh, the competition is not as fierce. Yeah, exactly. uh, uh, there's more room to kind of a maneuver, uh, uh, I, I guess. And along those lines, perhaps also that that uh, together with the less competition and uh, and that slightly not 
not a hugely more more expensive kind of a cost base to the MVP might actually induce more collaboration between the investors as well, mm. which means that uh, that more often in these cases there is actually a syndicate, mm. and at least according to research. Uh, I've come across uh, the syndicates tend to uh, perform better than than uh, non-syndicated deals uh, okay. overall. Okay, interesting. The uh, raising a fund over COVID. Uh, tell us a few words about it. I mean, I would assume it's uh, not it's um, <clears throat> not the most usual fundraising effort. Uh, as uh, such. Extre- extremely difficult. <laughs> I mean. Uh, we are essentially selling a product that that uh, requires establishing a kind of a very very solid trust. Uh, I mean, it's like, like any any fundraising, even startup in uh, fundraising. You, you, there has to be trust trust between the entrepreneur and the uh, and and the kind of a investor, and it's basically the same uh, if you know PC fund is making it. Whether you know the trust is based on the prior performance or you know whatever usually uh, in human relations there's this kind of a emotional element and that emotional element is very very difficult to convey without actually physically being present and needing and kind of a you know yeah. uh, being able to involve together and kind mm. of a feel that okay there is a connection and i trust these guys mm. and yes it, it is indeed extremely difficult to sort of uh, Uh, call around uh, Skype and Teams and uh, and uh, try to try to convince LPs that yeah we are trustworthy piece, particularly because we went a significantly larger fund size. Mm. Uh, so uh, you know the fund three was a fifteen million, and now we are on the forty seven already and aiming at the hundred. Mm. So we are kind of a uh, we we couldn't just go back to the existing LPs. A uh, fair amount of them, are, by the way, are of course invested also in current mm. fund, but. We we had to expand significantly the the LP base and also reach out kind of a uh, different types of uh, investors who kind of a place bigger tickets so mm. that you can get the kind of a this size of a fund uh, together. So uh, it, it was honestly speaking difficult. And even though my friends say that I'm pretty okay at selling stuff. Uh, I don't like selling stuff. <laughs> no. well, so. I mean, if it, if it's a good stuff, then you know it's not that problematic to sell sell it, even if you're not a you know born salesman. The um, I wanted to ask you the uh, how much how much uh, did it help that you're kind of focusing on the big trends like climate and uh, what's this uh, beautiful phrase for the aging population? Also, I mean, it should be kind of. Uh, Or it has been relatively popular among the investors lately. Yeah, uh, we were kind of lucky that we started doing this stuff already, you know, way way back. Mm. And we we're kind of lucky that that uh, I mean the deep tech has been coming up, uh, you know, this uh, uh, this uh, addressing climate crisis type of stuff, stuff has been coming up. Uh, COVID actually emphasized the need for the. Uh, for the uh, for the uh, kind of a more on the health investment on the health tech side, and e- even this Ukrainian crisis has kind of emphasized this uh, green transformation towards the kind of a uh, uh, away from the fossil fuels and so forth. So, from the focus point of view, uh, we were kind of lucky, and uh, the fact that we've been doing this for a while uh, also helped a lot. Mm. Uh, we knew kind of what we talk uh, are talking about, and we had made our research on sort of. Uh, Not just 
uh, that okay, these are the megatrends, but also kind of why and what's the kind of reasoning behind the kind of investment pieces. Mm. Uh, I also think that that um, uh, there was this kind of a period. We had a 18 months uh, during which we did uh, five or six exits. Before that, uh, perhaps the track record was a little bit thin. After that, you know, uh, things started moving uh, quite significantly, uh, and 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 uh, again, the timing played a little bit of a role because uh, after it started to be clear that we've sort of passed the uh, the COVID crisis. Uh, there's usually all of after all of the crisis, there is this ramp up period after a little bit before we are past the crisis. Sort of those that have money and those that are kind of looking for a position to start really getting bigger and stronger, they start buying stuff. So uh, there was a kind of exit spree that unfortunately ended when when uh, when uh, Russia attacked Ukraine. Mm. But now in the summer or late summer of twenty two. Markets crashed in the spring. There's, you know, some say they've bottomed out. Some say there's many more crashes to come. At least valuations must be more favorable for the new fund than they were, you know, six months ago. Uh, in a way, yeah. Uh, on the other hand, exit valuations that we are also dependent uh, uh, on those previous fund generation may not be so uh, favorable. And honestly speaking, uh, as we are so go- going going after so early companies, uh, the entry valuations have never been so kind of a volatile or dependent on the kind this kind of a crisis because always uh, venture capital is a kind of an industry that thrives uh, throughout the crisis because the crisis is all re- always opportunity. So the the, the effect and uh, the stage and the fact that uh, nature of the industry is, is kind of a Taking advantage of crisis type mm-hmm. uh, means that that uh, that entry valuations perhaps haven't changed that much. Mm-hmm. The bigger thing is that in the Nordics, uh, traditionally the entry valuations have been uh, reasonable, and you can see it. Like for example, in the statistics, look at the kind of absolute value that Nordic unicorns generates double the UK and and and, and maybe nine times Israel. So. Uh, which is largely explained the, the, the kind of a reasonable entry valuations uh, as well as kind of a solid ecosystem overall. Mm. So, so it's 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 a, it's a, a quite interesting uh, uh, that we managed to kind of uh, not go too high on the on the entry valuation. Mm. Obviously, the later stage deal deals like this late seed A round and B rounds are more dependent on the on the uh, on those valuations and those we expect to see a little bit lower value lower valuations mm. but again as uh, as we always enter at the seed that's maybe less of an issue mm. uh, or question i mean of course we'd like to buy cheaper but on the other hand the cap table needs to stay healthy as well mm. and you need to kind of fulfill the financing requirements of, a, of getting to a certain point mm. with the healthy cap table so it's quite a complicated question. Mm. The uh, basically the industry thrives from the crisis, and uh, one of your key focus areas is climate, which is uh, getting into how would I say very very steep crisis. Or uh, the how does this the thi- two things combine? Well, it's a extremely good opportunity to be honest. I mean. Uh, if we look at the uh, you know the, the situation before the Ukrainian war, it was already a very obvious that there is a 
huge crisis that need to be addressed. And, you know, that's, uh, and that's a kind of a social, social purpose of venture capital to address kind of a crisis that, and, you know, change the structures that change doesn't change otherwise. Mm. Uh, and now we have this unfortunate war, uh, which basically means that at least in the uh, European US, uh, the kind of this transformation from the uh, fossil dependence, particularly in Europe, uh, it has accelerated uh, at least two to three years from the very fast pace that it was. So uh, I'm actually expecting that that uh, there's there's going to be ha- happening a, a lot, mm. a lot more more than we we actually understand at this very moment. Mm. But typically, you know, not being an expert in the energy industry, my view view or take on the energy projects are that they always take very long time. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay, nuclear power, power plant was built in Finland in, what was it, 30 years project or... Yeah, that's uh, that's that. If I don't, I'm not mistaken. It was one at one point the most expensive structure human has ever built anywhere. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, the fusion, yeah. in the upcoming fusion reactor, corridor uh, uh, probably is a bit bigger. But you know, mm-hmm. there was a point in time that that it was the most expensive structure. Uh, so maybe that's not the good example. Uh, and of course, you know, being a VC, uh, you can't go into everything. So you have to be a bit conscious on sort of a, what is capital efficient and what is kind of a, has a reasonable time frame from 10-year fund structure. Mm-hmm. But we have others like um, uh, one of our portfolio companies, Spintrive, is a good e- example. They do a magnetic levitating bearings for high-speed machinery, and they can take a significant uh, amount of uh, uh, off from the energy consumption. And they've been kind of tracking new customers like uh, very, very... <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. fast almost you know uh, every month there is a new customer uh, so uh, and and they had a had a very solid science based from uh, uh, kind of a uni- universe science base so the kind of a basic research was already kind of a done mm-hmm. uh, when the company started founding and they they, they they were extremely good founders so so obviously you know mm-hmm. uh, that's a bit different okay they have a still hardware component yes but Again, the savings are quite significant, and uh, you know, uh, it's not super super complicated to sort of implement on the ground. So, mm. so there are uh, examples of yes, but they uh, they sound still like you know, on a big on a bigger picture, they sound like solving small part of the problem, even though they are getting cont- continuously new clients. Well, think of uh, uh, taking ten uh, percent of of the uh, of the all the turbo blowers and uh, and uh, the energy consumption of all all the turbo blowers and all the kind of uh, high speed machinery, almost all of the uh, uh, machined parts or you know the paper uh, or or cardboard or you know or, or you know food industry. It's it, 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 there. It's it's a billions uh, to be made on that particular. Mm. Uh, industry alone on my- magnetic bearings, and that's mm. a, that, that, that that's yeah okay. It's not like you know we're not uh, solving uh, this wind drive is not solving the all of the energy storage needs. But if you take off a a ten percent of a significant of uh, kind of a industrial yeah, <laughs> energy yeah. consumption, then 
that's, that's already a ma- mass- yes mass yeah it's massive no no doubt that but uh, you know thinking about the Euro- europe's problem of energy uh, without uh, natural gas and uh, you know the small part which has been coming from oil from russia the uh, you know how how do we solve the europe's energy challenge i'm sure there is a lot of uh, you know potential for the investors in that it, it, it definitely and i mean it's uh, yeah. uh, when it was i think swing right wasn't to sort of say that you know. that's there's just one solution my point being that okay there's a uh, i don't know maybe a trillion of a trillion mm. or four trillion or something mm. uh of value to be split and uh, so there can be a thousand uh a billion dollar industry exactly in, in within that domain alone mm. and uh yeah we invest in the uh gazer batteries another uh good example supercapacitors that have a kind of a totally different type of uh, energy uh, densities than uh, super capacitors so you can actually use it as a storage to shave off the peaks uh from the uh, from the uh, grid or you know uh uh for example reduce the amount of uh the, the size of a cable you need to uh you know, need for a charging station to be able to charge at uh, whether it's 350 or even higher mm. uh kind of a power so uh we do uh lots of this stuff mm. on quite quite wide uh mm. basis uh, if you if starting to slowly wrap up, if you look the uh, at the uh, kind of the area of Nordics and Baltics you're investing in, how does it compare in, in this uh, deep tech sector? You know, compared to the rest of the world. That's actually interesting. I mean, uh, most of the unicorns from the uh, from the uh, Nordics and Baltics have been these more digital unicorns. However, if you look at the kind of a science, the ecosystem, uh, science ecosystem, uh, all of the Nordic countries typically uh, rank at uh, top 10, if not top 10, top 15. So there is a huge throughput on this sort of a, this deep, deep tech science type of things. And there's a, quite a large chunk also that that's, uh, are, is, is precisely focused on the kind of a, this clean and health type of things. Uh, and it probably comes from this this uh, Nordic tradition. We have had a, 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 a this open uh, market uh, electricity network between the countries for a long time, and uh, we have had lots of kind of an industrial development in general uh, uh, and, and research and development on, on the industrial side of things as as well. So. Uh, I'd say that that's kind of a hidden gem or not so well-known fact from the Nordics that, mm. that the science throughput is extraordinarily uh, uh, dense. Mm. And it's, it's, it's not just a few capital areas. It's, it's spread quite widely. Uh, places, like Oulu, places like Oulu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oulu, Lappeenranta, uh, you know, uh, or, or, or yeah. you know, Trondheim or whatever. So there's a, yeah. there's a kind of a uh, not just single university or just the capital universities, but uh, there, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of and that's that's maybe the because Nordic countries have, have long been kind of quite equal, so also the education policy has been quite equal. So there is a few, uh, typically a few universities in each country that that are uh, interesting and significant. Uh, also from their mm-hmm. science point of view, perhaps not as wide uh, science science uh, kind of a cavalcade of different type of things like. Uh, as you know, in the in the capital areas, but uh, they, they are very very interesting. Uh, uh, I think. Mm. Mm. 
interesting scene totally. Do we actually have any deep tech unicorns in Nordics? Uh, I think we do. And my, 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 whenever there is a kind of a name question, that's that's my problem because I have two byte name memory. Yeah, one in, one out, and then you know, haha, <laughs> what do I do? Uh, I, 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 I'm really bad at remembering mm. names, and, mm. and this is. A, let me think of. Uh, I mean, in Estonia, we have one upcoming, uh, which has been near near becoming a unicorn for a while. The skeleton technologies. Yeah, skeleton uh, was one of that I was thinking, but it's not yet. It's not I yet, believe. at least officially, no. Yeah, uh, I think one of my uh, VC friends mentioned that already years back uh, uh, was there a company called Nordic Semiconductor, mm. uh, and they uh, at some point. Uh, Maybe even today are a unicorn. Northwold, okay, it's not maybe so science back, but okay, okay. Is Einride? Sorry? Einride, this uh, electrical trucks company out of Sweden. Yeah, that that's by the way a new one. Yeah, that's that, that that's 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 true. I probably bumped into that. They they claim to be a unicorn. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there aren't too many, to be honest, mm. and, the, and, and still the majority of those unicorns are uh, uh, digital companies. But if you look at the kind of a back, those digital companies were made uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, mm. uh, or even longer. And uh, uh, I, I think there are quite a few in the making at the, at this very moment exactly and and i think in the in the nordics we've seen a lot where these uh, digital unicorn unicorns have bo- brought in capital to the area and at least some of that capital has gone to the deep tech startups uh, d- d- definitely uh, uh i think that, that that's for example a uh, background of karma mm. Exa- uh, exactly <laughs> proxy for, for example and uh uh, and then there, there are some other examples as well. Mm. The uh, maybe you know wrapping it up. What's the you've said that with a new fund the target is the ten investments in the year. How it's going? Well, we uh, have just started the uh, first uh, team meetings. Uh, I think the first uh, ten fifteen have been so far scheduled, uh, and uh, I think. Uh, two or three we have already had after the first closing. Mm. Uh, so, and and uh, personally, I'd like to get somewhere around 20 uh, before making the kind of a first decision because part of the process actually is that uh, that uh, we, we, we try to kind of rank the companies into the top three. Mm. So in general, the kind of a system assumes that, for example, I typically need 300 companies a year. And... Uh, uh, my colleagues obviously do their share. We select roughly 25% of those into the, these team reviews. And out of those uh, reviewed uh, by the entire team, we try to any given time uh, to close the deal with the top three companies. Mm. And that's that's kind of a part of the system. So uh, we are still a little bit ramping up. But I would expect the few, first few investments to happen in a, in a, in a uh, few weeks' time. I'm, mm. Whether it's a mid September or so that 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 might be m- might be possible. Mm-hmm. It might be a- end of September, but uh, yeah. but so in the starting pretty, phase. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. soon, pretty mm-hmm. soon. And typically, then uh, right before, I, I mean, the industry is also so that 
there's lots happening right before Christmas, right before Midsummer Day, mm. and and uh, and uh, you know, uh, before that, there's lots of kind of uh, uh, happening. And, and and my advice to the startup listeners is that. Uh, if you're contacting the DC and uh, uh, it, it makes sense to kind of start contacting uh, after summer or, or after Christmas and not to sort of, uh, I mean, you can contact before the uh, before Christmas or before mm-hmm. summer as well, but then you you can't expect too much bandwidth because, you know, completing the deals is already a, Most is a huge, yeah. And uh, particularly the Nordics is kind of a funny uh, environment in this respect that, that uh, it's quite pronounced. I mean, even if we work throughout the summer and kind of completing the deals, it's very difficult to get everybody on board. And for example, many of our LPs, some insurance companies don't accept product requests uh, during their summer summer mm. uh, summer breaks. So uh, it's kind of difficult to get things happen, uh, mm. and that's uh, led to a dynamics where uh, where uh, it kind of has this wave right before these mm-hmm. holiday seasons so, so uh, you know now uh, when we're recording this is uh, august so i have to wish you a merry christmas and uh, and <laughs> many many deals for the december and november right uh yeah yeah <laughs> lots of lo- lo- lots of deal for deal place uh, where we live off. so yes, so of deal place is very very important of course good thanks you for your time and uh, you know merry christmas right <laughs> Thanks, thanks, and uh, hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll stay in touch also in the future. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Back Podcast. Welcome, explorers of the human experience. This is Let's Talk Soul, and I'm your host, Claudia Monicelli. We're not afraid of the great mysteries of existence here. Soul versus consciousness, we're on it. Spirituality versus science, we've got that covered too. Join us in navigating these profound topics with wisdom, curiosity, and a dash of audacity. Whether you're a spiritual veteran or just starting your journey, Let's Talk Soul is your passport to the unknown. Let's Talk Soul, diving into the depths of the human spirit. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Electric Acid.